0: Hello, this is Siddharth from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 25th of July. India reported 39,097 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, taking the total number of infections to over 3.13 crore. There were 546 new fatalities yesterday, which means over 4.2 lakh people have lost their lives to the virus so far. Do remember, listener, that these numbers are widely considered to be undercounts. 51.7 lakh vaccine doses were administered in the last 24 hours. The total number of doses administered has exceeded 42.8 crore. However, according to the latest data, only 6.6% of India's population has been fully vaccinated so far. A statement issued by Moolchand Hospital on Saturday took note of the rising cases of neurological conditions in COVID-recovered patients. The statement noted, that the pandemic has not just caused acute inflammatory illnesses, but also long-term neurological problems. Dr. Asha Bakshi said in her statement, and I quote, The most common neurological syndromes reported were acute encephalopathy at 49%, coma at 17%, and stroke at 6%. Presence of clinically captured neurologic signs or syndromes were associated with increased risk of in-hospital death, end quote. The statement added that 60% of its patients in the outpatient department complained of increasing mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, feelings of loneliness, and that most of them are post-COVID cases. A few days after conducting raids on the offices of the Dainik Bhaskar Group and Bharat Samachar, the income tax department has made a series of allegations against each organization. Yesterday, the department alleged that Danek Bhaskar has evaded income taxes up to Rs. 700 crore. The IT department has also alleged cyclical trading of Rs. 2200 crore, violation of stock market rules, and the setting up of companies to book fake expenses and siphon funds. It also alleged that the real estate wing of the Daenek Bhaskar Group diverted Rs. 408 crore from a public sector bank loan into a sister organisation. According to the Indian Express, the department did not name danik bhaskar but officials in the central board of direct taxes confirmed the details related to the news organization in a separate statement the same is true for bharat samachar against whom similar allegations have been made stating that the channel has unaccounted transactions of rupees 200 crore the cbdt also said it had seized cash up to rupees 3 crore from their offices and has placed 16 lockers under restraint on thursday the Dainik Bhaskar Group had claimed the raids were the result of its critical coverage of the government's failure to manage the disasters of COVID. Opposition party politicians, including Mamta Banerjee of the Trinamool Congress, Sitaram Yechury of the CPIM, Jairam Ramesh from Congress and Arvind Kejriwal from Aam Aadmi Party had all issued statements condemning these raids. Rajya Sabha member John Britas of the CPIM has approached the Supreme Court for a court-monitored probe into the Pegasus spyware controversy by a special investigation team. This is in addition to another plea by an advocate last week seeking a court-monitored SIT probe. The writ petition said, and I quote, The Pegasus spyware allegations give two inferences. It was done by the Indian government or by a foreign agency. If it is done by the Indian government, it is done in an unauthorized manner the spending of sovereign amount for personal or political interests of the ruling party cannot be permitted, end quote. The plea referred to the news reports about digital forensic analysis conducted by Amnesty International's security lab on 10 Indian phones. The resulting data showed signs of the phones being subject to either an attempted or successful Pegasus hack. It said phones of five journalists were given for analysis in Amnesty Security Lab and were found compromised by the Pegasus spyware. Allow me to bring to your attention, listener, the dire straits journalism finds itself in today. As the tenor of democratic values begin to wane, the forces democracy keeps in check have begun to gather. With the revelations of the Pegasus Project showing that governments are conducting mass surveillance of their own people, there is a desperate need to strengthen a free and independent press this past week, News Laundry spoke with Siddharth Vardarajan, founding editor of The Wire, and JNU Professor Happyman Jacob in its latest episode of NL Hafta. Hafta is our weekly podcast where we discuss the week's news with prominent guests and read our subscribers' letters so that we too might be kept in check. This week's episode is out of the paywall and freely available on our website. You can hear Vardarajan talk about his organization's reports on Pegasus, conducted in tandem with 16 media organizations across the world. Pegasus is the Israeli spyware which was used to infiltrate potentially 300 phones in India and 50,000 internationally. Vardarajan was himself a victim of the spyware and shared his experience being embroiled in the unfolding episode. In addition to this week's hafta, our reporters Nidhi Suresh and Supriti David also interviewed Omer Kabir. Kabir is an Israeli journalist whose report on Amnesty International statement vis-a-vis Pegasus project was misconstrued by India's TV channels to spread fake news. While Kabir had reported on Amnesty International's statement highlighting the links between Pegasus manufacturer NSO and the leaked list of Pegasus targets, channels such as Republic TV said that Amnesty had backtracked on its initial allegations. Kabir discussed with News Laundry the leading questions India's media tried to ask him and the way in which NSO operates and obtains its clients. To listen to our NL Hafta podcast and watch our interview with Omer Kabir, please visit newslaundry.com. Listener, News Laundry believes in a free press, accountable not to the powers that be, but to you, the member of a thinking public that recognizes the importance of journalism. We take no ad money and run only on subscriptions so that our accountability is to our subscribers and not towards any advertiser. To join thousands from the public who believe in the importance of quality reporting and verified facts from the ground, please visit our website and subscribe for rates as low as Rs. 300 a month. India's first Olympic medal at the ongoing Tokyo Olympics was claimed yesterday by weightlifter Mirabai Chanu from Manipur. Chanu has won a silver in the 49kg category for weightlifting and has set a new Olympic record with a 115kg clean and jerk. Notably. This is India's first medal in weightlifting in over two decades. Chanu had lost in the previous 2016 Olympics in Rio. Unfortunately, India's shooting contingent has been unable to advance. The same holds true for Sanya Mirza and Ankita Raina in the tennis doubles tournament. However, boxer Mary Com has won her first bout against Dominican Republic's Miguelina Hernandez in a split decision for the flyweight category. COM will fight Colombian boxer Ingrid Valencia next on July 29th. Badminton's PV Sindhu too has advanced to her next round in the singles along with Manika Batra for singles in table tennis. And now for some international updates. Ahead of the UN Climate Change Conference in November this year, India proposed at the G20 Ministerial Meeting of Climate Change and Energy that rich nations bring down their per capita emission to global average by 2030. The developed world currently occupies nearly 67 to 75% of the carbon space. According to the government, India is the only major economy taking actions to keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius of pre-industrial levels. Union Power and Renewable Energy Minister Rajkumar Singh put forward India's position. He said that significant progress has been made by India in meeting its nationally determined contributions targets while staying committed to meeting its climate goals under the Paris Agreement. As the tension between Afghan security forces and the Taliban continues to increase, Pakistan has replaced its paramilitary forces along its border with Afghanistan with regular military forces. Interior Minister Sheikh Ahmed said the decision was taken to contain the influx of both refugees and armed militia from across the border. However, there is also the tension of Afghan security forces themselves entering Pakistan. Sources in the armed forces have reportedly told Dawn newspaper, I quote, we have seen that more than 1,000 Afghan soldiers fled into Tajikistan early in July to escape clashes with the Taliban, End quote. Pakistan's National Security Advisor Moeed Yusuf and ISI Chief General Faiz Hamid are also likely to visit the US next week to discuss the Afghanistan situation with their American counterparts. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow.